That's what I did last time. Okay. But um, with regard to us coming out of the sheltering at home and what all of that is going to entail, I've got people that are doing the government is taking our rights away from us. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm listening. And I'm like, are you guys kidding me right now? I mean, there is a pandemic going on and the sheltering at home is for all of our safekeeping. But even if you're strong and healthy and you don't get it, what about the weak and infirm in your lives that you're going to go around and potentially take them out because your strong and healthy, healthy body survived from it, but there's couldn't. I mean, I just don't get it. I, the whole, my rights as a citizen have been taken away from me. I'm, I'm, I'm missing that. I mean, I really am, you guys. And so I, I really like to hear your take on it, but some, and, and I even said on one, I said, you know, my nephew, and so they started talking about viruses. And so it was like, well, uh, and a snide remark was made about the flu. And so I came back because there's this thing like, okay, now we got COVID-19 and normally they're talking about the flu, but the flu ain't nothing. People, and I'm like, my nephew died from the flu, people. You know, what are we talking about? And somehow or another, there's this idea that all of this is made up and make believe and, uh, you know, I just don't get it. I, I just don't get it. So, yeah, I, I got a little heated. And then I, to, to add it, salt to open wound, rather than extending condolences, we start, wanted to start going into details about it. Oh, and that, that gets my goat when folks start trying to, you know, without caring. There's a difference between a person that cares and is concerned, inquiring, and people that are just trying to be nosy and dig up details and that. I'm like, are you kidding me? How insensitive can you be? But you want to talk about the government is stealing your rights. And I'm like, y'all sound crazy to me. I'm so sorry. But I mean, that's just almost like insanity to me. Yeah. It is insane. It's absolutely insane. And I don't, I don't think anybody's rights have been violated at all. If you want to go out, go out. But I'm not. <laughs> That's all I got on it. Right. Well, yeah. I went out today and, uh, you know, I'll give a couple of different scenarios because I am doing a, a, where I am engaged in a situation where it's a very small group that that is uh zooming the church service but i am the musician uh but I, I mean and then i've got the situation where i wanted to run in the store and get something and come back out i'm feeling some kind of way about the people that refuse to put on a mask i i really am it's like i really want to say something but i have to contain myself and uh we did something today uh, that we were just trying to show our support for something. And here we are. Listen, I have on a filtered mask. Then I have on a decorative fashion mask on top of that. And then I have on my gloves. And I went and bought me some goggles to put on because I'm like, okay, the way they say your eyes, your nose, and, and your mouth, those three are the primary entry points. And I got those taken care of. Still not to say I won't get something. But then I'm looking around and 99% of the people have on nothing. They're going around, they're hugging. Of course, I keep teasing Rashida. I'm like, don't you want to give them? You know I'm not going to hug you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just like, I, I don't know. I don't know. So, nah. What do you envision coming out of uh, the shelter at home 
are we doing good? Are we coming out too early? I mean, what are you, what are you all's takes on that? Wow. God, there's a lot to be said about that. <laughs> there's so much information, a lot of misinformation that's out there that some people are just idiotic and there's some people that just not don't want to understand anyway. Um, a lot of people are thinking that this is a man-made virus and that it was done for a reason. Uh, people are going to make money behind it, behind the vaccine. All that's said and done, people are dying. People have right. died. And that's going to affect a lot of people. Regina, that's the conversation you and I have had before. When we come out of this and we're going to be looking for certain people, we're going to be like, where are they? And we, well, you know, they died. We're like, no, we didn't know they died because they're not having the proper funerals or the celebrations of their lives. So that's going to affect people as well when they found out that they died and they didn't get a chance to visit, they didn't get a chance to know. So there's a lot of things that go on. And one thing I can say, and I'm not going to go too deep into it, is there is going to be a lot of truth that's going to come out before the end of the year because the media is not telling everything. Right. A lot of the stuff the media is saying is not right. Our leadership, and I'm not talking about a Republican, Democrat, I'm not splitting, I'm talking about everybody, mm -hmm. has their hand in it. And we're going to see, there's going to be some revelation, some stuff is going to be exposed that we're going to see the truth of what's really going on because we're not hearing it. And if we're listening to the media, we're getting confused. We listen to this part, we're getting confused. We really don't know the truth. So the thing we need to do is take care of ourselves. They can open up. I don't care what they open up. But Rhonda's closed. <laughs> and I'm going to stay closed until I feel comfortable coming out and, and being around it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I, you, you touched on a couple of things that I really wanted to, to approach here in our sharing time. So let's go back first and foremost to, uh, I think, the easiest thing to get out of the way. How in the world did we make people dying a Democratic and a Republican issue? I, 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 I really do not understand how we got twisted there. Uh, John, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't get it. I don't either. <laughs> it's it's the most ridiculous thing I have ever. I, I mean, just to listen to some of the people and and how ridiculous they are. I'm like, you know, this is somebody's mother that you're talking about, somebody's daddy, uncle, brother, whatever. And the amount of, I mean, I think the last time I listened or heard anything, it was getting close to ninety thousand. That's a lot of people. Yet people are still coming right back with the statistics like that matters who cares about statistics when you can't even go at a or attend your mother's service and you have to talk to her over a phone you know to say goodbye that who cares about all the rest of it that moment that you don't even get to say goodbye that is life change that changes people mm -hmm. and i think that's the biggest part that that a lot of us are missing it there are actual people involved this is not yeah. a new story it's actually happening yeah. and you know it, it's it may not be touching a lot of us directly but for other families i mean people have been devastated 
by this. Think that the people that are saying this are people that don't have anyone in their families or mm -hmm. someone that they know that's been touched by it, and so it's almost like all of this is fabricated, made up, and exaggerated. While, as you said, some of us have been touched time and time and time and time right. again in a mm -hmm. given family. And I heard um, there was a young man, he has since relocated, but his family was in Mississippi and they were amongst, his dad was one of those pastors and his mother was uh, a district missionary. Uh, and he said, really, the shelter at home became a death sentence for them because it's a large family. Mm -hmm. So when they went to shelter at home, then you had this huge number of family members all within, under the same roof, and then once one of them got it, the dad got it, the kids got it, and the survivors of that family are the two children who moved away, and the rest of them all are deceased. So, I mean, th there there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, and then, of course, of course, he was mad because he was saying that his family was given the what what is it that 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 uh, has been pushed and they're saying it does absolutely nothing I, mm -hmm. I, I, I can I can pronounce it on some days but today my brain is like nope but anyway it's like they were all given that and they all died uh, and I'm not trying to say that and, and he said he wants an investigation he was just commenting on Facebook and he was saying he wants an investigation because he feels like the way everything was done he, he nor his sister, who were the surviving and or well enough to talk, uh, ones left, and they basically had nothing to say uh, anything about the treatment that was given or was not given to the family members. And subsequently, um, you know, there was some question about when he was traveling back to Mississippi uh, and he was being told to stay home and shelter at home and he couldn't go. He said, no, I'm going to go see my family and I'm going to see the final disposition and so on and so forth. So, um, like you said, there are some that were not touched at all. And I think a lot of the people that are talking what I consider to be craziness are people that some way or another have not been touched at all, don't right. know anybody. And so they have absolutely no compassion or empathy or sympathy for anybody else's condition because it hasn't touched their home. That's, that's honestly what I believe. And then there are others who have lost entire families and or in our instance where you had, uh, you know, I, I saw individuals at my nephew's uh, funeral and then within a matter of weeks, they're, they're dropping dead uh, hours and days apart from each other. And, and it's just like, boom, 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 boom. And so you've got that flip side of that coin for other families as far as a reality. And somehow or another, uh, as both of you are saying, we're just throwing statistics straight out the window. It's like statistics mean nothing. And of course, the statistics are for people of color, for black people. I mean, there's lots of people of color. For black folks, it's really stacked against black people because I think, again, uh, we're one of the hardest hit. Even though I haven't seen the news a lot lately, I caught in the wind that the Hispanic rate is, uh, their statistics are starting to skyrocket right now. Have Did, did you guys see that within the last couple of days? I didn't, I didn't see that. Hmm. Yeah, I heard something uh, and I didn't really get to investigate it. So I don't want to speak a lot to it because I'm not knowledgeable. But I did catch wind on something that was stating that the Hispanic community is now being hit really hard with it. So, uh, 
but I do want to come to this. So how do we resolve? Because definitely closure for many is the funeral. And so in a lot of instances, that's not the case. I just eulogized my aunt on Friday uh, and uh, it had the 10 people limit and all families, I mean, both sides of the families are large. So, you know, you have the, the chore of trying to decide who gets to come and who doesn't get to come. And in a large family where you've got several children and grandchildren, not to mention siblings that are still surviving, that gets dicey. So, I mean, how do we reconcile that? What, what are your thoughts about that? Wow. There was a service here in uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas, where, and, and we have the same regulations. I think it's like 10, 10, 15, I'm not sure, but I think it's 10, where they had, their families like that as well. And so they had a service on that Friday at the mortuary for some family. And then on Saturday, when they actually buried the body, the other half of the family was able to go. So they ended up having two services because the families are so huge. Wow. What you do what you have to do, but that's that's unheard of that you have to go through that twice. That's wow. sad. Wow. It's really sad. And I want to bring up the point that we're just talking about their family members. Um, how many times because even for me, like right now, uh, with my friend that just passed on yesterday, uh, in the midst of COVID 19, I've been somebody has reached out to me about me participating in the service, but that hasn't come through an official rank. So, you know, uh, that's, that's an unknown, but at the same time, outside of officiating or doing something of that nature, like I did with my aunt, I would not have been there for my aunts if I wasn't the officiant that was actually conducting the service. And there are so many people outside of the family that those individuals touch, have very, very strong relationship to. And so, you know, somebody equated it to this, and I'm gonna shut up and, and listen to you guys, but somebody equated it to the same of, uh, history when slave masters used to sell uh, the parents or family members and they'd come and get them in the middle of the night and the kids would wake up in the morning they didn't have a mom and daddy it's just like you just never saw them again it's, it's just <laughs> like you know you had a mom and a daddy but at this point where are they? You just never see them again. You don't know if they're alive. You don't know if they're dead. So as far as you're concerned, they're dead to you, but there's always that question mark in the back of your mind, are they dead? Um, and I think even in these instances, it's sometimes the flip side of that. We know that we've been told that they're dead in some instances, but the brain is still trying to reconcile the loss of these individuals that sometimes I just saw them or spoke to them a couple of days ago. And now in just a matter of hours to days these people have vanished if you will off the face of the earth and there's no there's no closure wow you're right it is difficult because that's what we're accustomed to we're we're accustomed to the big you know celebrations or whatever uh to, at the end of life for that closure but it's just not happening every at least every other day I'll scroll down my Facebook timeline and I'll see somebody streaming a service and uh, they have a loved one, you know, laid out. And I just, it's unreal, you know, cause I can't imagine having to do that for my own people or the, a lot of people that I'm closest to are not family. I have a large family, 
and if something were to happen to me, the people that I'm closest to probably could not come mm -hmm. <laughs> to my service. And that is, mm -hmm. it's just crazy. But I mean, I do understand why, but it's, it's a whole new reality. And it's, it's a tough adjustment for a lot of people. I know of a, a young lady who lost her dad and uh, she didn't, I mean, it was literally, like you said, he was just gone. There was no service, there, no, nothing, no time alone with him, you know, before the funeral home comes, you know, things that we are used to, she just had none of that. And it was a real uh, shock to her because she was unable to have her own goodbye. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a lot for anybody to deal with. Right. You you know what? That is so true. What you just said about uh, adjustment and comfort zone. Everything mm -hmm. that's happened with this COVID nineteen is making everybody. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about there is is no didn't discriminate at all. I don't care what black, white, Hispanic. I don't care rich or low income. I don't care. Everybody has been pushed out of their comfort zone. You, we're having to adjust to things that we are not used to having to go through. If there will be, and we've said over and over again, there will be no business as usual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This has pushed us to another level. We're having to adjust and modify. So we've been in a comfort zone for so long. We, we're just not used to that. We're used to giving a big celebration, and we're going to need, uh, a lot of we're going to need some type of counseling or some time to adjust to what has happened during this pandemic. Losing our loved ones and not being able to give a proper closure and all. We're going to need some time to adjust and we're probably going to need some, some counseling behind some of it. I agree. And I think one of the telling moments is going to be when we are completely, um, I want to say back to normal, but there's not going to be a back to normal. That 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 wow. that that phrase doesn't exist uh, post COVID. I don't think. But when we actually come out of shuttered doors, and you are slapped in the face with the reality that numbers upon numbers of people are no longer there, uh, while we're in our homes, there's still like the doors and the four walls of our house kind of continue to shelter us from the reality that they're no longer there. But then when you come out of those doors and you have to walk the street and go to places and frequent locations and those people are just no longer there and that stark reality hits you smack dab in the face. Right. I think you're right. I think at that point, there's going to be a need for some counseling, uh, some kind of therapy, some kind of, um, something to help people in that reality check at that moment. You know, it's almost like you can know a person is deceased and you have all these feelings, but then when you actually go to see your loved one lying in state, that's another level of reality. Uh, well, for some of us, we're not going to get that second level of reality. And so it's going to push us into a place where when we don't have any other choice but to face that reality squarely uh in the face then i think that's going to be traumatic and so I, I i don't know what do you guys think i i just i'm i'm having a lot of 
thoughts and feelings about how all of this is going to uh, look like. Um, and, and let me interject with this to kind of, if you want to go into this next thought that I wanted to go, because with the people coming out with no mask, the people coming out with no regard for PPE, then as scientists and doctors are saying, then we're going to get another wave that's going to come behind this first wave. So that being said, and all these things that we're talking about, what's your take on that? Well, I want to inject before we go into that, also what you said about coming out and not seeing the people, but coming out the doors, there's also going to be a lot of jobs that are not there. A lot of companies that have shut down. So there's going to be another adjustment. True. Even though we, you know, it's really sad about the, and it's going to be heartbreaking about the number of people that we've lost, but we've also lost a lot of jobs. That is so and true. That's going to be hurt as well. And, and you bring up a good point, Rhonda. Maybe we need to uh, look at how we want to frame dealing with loss, period, because that loss could, some people are going to lose their houses in this process. Right. Some people are going to lose their vehicles. Some people are going to lose, I mean, jobs. And, and, and that loss can cover so many different topics and areas. And at the end of the day, loss is loss and grief is grief. And I think sometimes I'm, I'm glad you interjected that because I was really focusing on the loss of life, but all of those losses create grief. And so, you know, we can't, we can't not address that also. So thank you so much for bringing up that, that, that point. What do you say, ladies? I think you're definitely um, on to something. I've given it a lot of, of thought. Um, I can't begin to talk about the people I know now that are not working. And so as it's, as it's going on, their lives are slowly beginning to reflect that. I mean, if you don't have a paycheck, then things are going to start changing. And that um, so many things come along with that. And, and it is like a grief process. You know, for some people, they have been in these positions for years on years. And there's like somewhat of a loss of identity there when you're not attached to that specific job or company anymore. And then there, of course, there's the anxiety and fear of not being able to provide for yourself and the family. And it is taking a huge mental toll on a lot of people. And I mean, I've been there. It wasn't a, wasn't a pandemic, but I have certainly been laid off from a, from a job before in in good times so i can imagine uh what people are going through now that coupled with the loss of loved ones and you know fear of you being next it's a lot and and people are going to need some kind of counseling or something to transition because our old way of life is gone it is and i can't see it coming back i can't well, let's, like let's flip the script a little bit. Maybe, just maybe, the core of this was to get us self-reliant and self-sufficient instead of mm -hmm. depending on sources outside of ourselves because I don't know that the companies that our parents and the companies that we worked for just don't exist anymore. And, and I'm saying that from the standpoint of 
you know, do companies hardly even offer pensions anymore, which is what our parents were looking forward to. They worked, I don't care how bad those companies treated them and everything else, they knew when I retired, I got a pension coming. But so much of that is even gone by the wayside. And I think we're gonna see less and less of it as we uh, go on into the future. But is this maybe to get us less reliant on that type of security and more uh, reliant upon being interdependent with one another in entrepreneurship and making our own jobs, uh, creating our own uh, whatever. Because I mean, at the end of the day, I think, um, uh, what did Kanye say? They don't care about us. I'm not talking about that racially. I'm talking about everybody. As, as Rhonda said, it's hitting every every group, every color. I mean, that's, that, 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 that has no uh, barrier as to who it's touching. But maybe we need to create another uh, reality and have a paradigm shift. I mean, how much of that do you feel like is really in our power to do? Uh, I believe it's only uh, part of it, majority of it, because there's so many things that people have been looked over for what they supposed to do, walk in their gifts, walk in their calling, get what they deserve. And they, because of the good old boy network, good old system, who you know, not what you know, but who you know, people have been looked over. So now it's time that we don't have to wait for, it's not your time yet. Yes, it is my time. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm going to get it. So I think a lot of things, walls are broken down. We've been talking years about the glass ceiling coming down and blah, 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 blah. This pandemic is tearing down walls. Mm -hmm. It's breaking glass ceilings. And we're walking in and we're stepping in things that we're supposed to have. We've been talking about uh, the wealth of the center laid up for the just. We've been talking about that ever since I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. But guess what? It was laid up, but now guess what? It's time to get it. Yes. And I'm going to mine. <laughs> I love it. And, and I'm trying to stress the point of interdependence because I think that for those that have the wealth, and, and, and I, I know sometimes even with that, I've always heard it taught with an idea that the wealth of the, of the wicked is over here in a pile. But sometimes I think their pile is only allowed to remain a pile as long as we keep putting money into it. If we stop putting money into that pile and start creating our own piles and create our own wealth, that's somewhat the way I, and I say interdependent because I don't know that we can do it just by ourselves because you got to be able to get the money. But then look at even the bailout money that came for the pandemic. Those huge corporations were getting millions of dollars and the little businesses still got nothing. They, I mean, some of those people that were really struggling didn't get a dime. So I'm still saying, I, hey, the, the, the system is round by the wealthy right now. So I'm not looking at them for their dollars. I'm looking at how can I, I see four women here that all have tremendous gifts and talents and have expertise in various areas that I could be looking at four multimillionaires and let's look at creating wealth with those four and stop looking to outside of, and if we can do it interdependently, I need you, you need me. But at the same time, I'm also looking at things. I think I preached on this today. I'm tired of fishing in my boat and then taking my fish and putting it in something. No, <laughs> get your own fish. 
but for anybody that is out here with me that's fishing when my boat is sinking because of i got so many fish and my nets are breaking and you're out here working like i'm working and hustling then hey come on over and get some of these fish because i got more than what i can handle you take some of these and we all prosper but i do think there has to be some level of interdependence because i don't think the wealthy system is just gonna hand over their money no my opinion i pray every day about God, which which Woody idea do you want me to start on? Because yes. there's more than one. Which Woody idea do you want me to start on so I can create my interdependence? Exactly. Now y'all got me feeling good. Uh-huh, John, you, you set up. <laughs> We're going to have choices, girls. We're going to have choices. Exactly. Don't, don't think there's just one. There's choices. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Were you getting ready to say something? You set up and, and looked a little differently. <laughs> well, I was trying to fix, I had some instructions come through the phone. So I was trying to fix the problem. <laughs> but I hear you though. I feel you, uh, Rhonda. <laughs> and, and, and I feel like really to some extent, I'm, I'm, I'm interjecting this because when you start talking about Johnny, you've already have friends that you know and have encountered that are already in the loss phase and starting to feel the effects of it. And, and I think probably all of us do. When they start coming out and they need something, I think the first thing they need is hope. And if we don't have some hope that we can start to share, then you know, the likes of this kind of conversation with no hope will take you out. I mean, cause it's just like, it's just going down, 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 down. What's the answer? What's the answer? My next, uh, while you're, while I'm, I'm finishing up here with my ramblings, you know, my next thought is because even the children, I think the kids that didn't get to graduate, that's a trauma. You know, what are we doing for and, and, and what are we doing to help them? The kids that didn't get to finish school. I, I can remember how exciting it was every year the end of school, the summertime, I mean, everything had marked spots and you had excitement about every one of those marks. And now we've just totally obliterated those spots and marks for our kids. And then it's like, what are they supposed to do? I have an eternal summer. I don't know when I'm going back to school. I have, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 I know for me, with my friends, the last day of school was huge. I mean, it was huge every year. I mean, even when I was a little girl, it was like, oh, you know, even if it was just a, a 10 year old or 12 year old, whatever we thought was major for last day of school, we were doing it because it was huge. And, and, and right on up through graduation and the whole nine. So what are we gonna do with our children, our young people during this phase of post COVID-19? Cause they're being impacted too now, come on for real. They really are. But I talk to my nephew every day, and he's graduating. He, uh, he's a 2020 senior, and I let him know, although this is going on, this has absolutely nothing to do with your accomplishment. I'm proud of you. I love you. And you're going to have a graduation. You're going to have a ceremony. If I have to go to that arena and get on that microphone and call his name out and he walk, he's going to have something. So we have to implement that into our children and let them know, hey, your accomplishments are great. This doesn't have anything to do with it. And just know that you survived in this pandemic. We have to build, a, build them up. Don't let them know, oh, you was, you was at 2020. No, yeah, I'm 2020. That means something big is happening for me. All the graduates for 2020, 
there's great expectations for them because something big is happening for them. I agree. And I love what you're doing. And I know there are some people that are doing the same thing, but then there's a majority of those that are not getting that at all. So I, what, what can we do to help them? That's sad, girl. If I know them, call, let me know. I'll call them. But we, <laughs> we need to share this. We need to keep sharing a positive. They need to hear it. They need to hear it and keep it up because it is easy to get uh, feeling down. And if all this, if you want to hear negative all the time, you know, it will build in you, but they need to hear some positive stuff. Hey, you did, you had great accomplishments. Do not let this belittle anything that you've done. 2020 is still a good year. I love it. I love it. And, and I do think we're going to have to be proactive or else it has a tremendous potential. It doesn't have to, but it has a potential of taking some of our youngsters in a dark place uh, that can, can be very hard. My uh, cousin's, my first cousin's daughter, uh, she already graduated from law school, but then she went back and got a specialty law degree. And uh, the other day would have been her graduation. And so she just kind of said something on her uh, post real simply to the family. And so I took that in every place I could put it. I put it on my personal page. I put it on every page that I have, I, my four or five pages, everywhere I could put it. I put a broadcast because I want her to understand that she celebrated. Right. And her graduating from law school twice, uh, and she really didn't get to do the ceremony at the end of last year. So she's got two degrees past the bar and all of that with no celebration. But I do feel like it's incumbent upon us that have connections to individuals, whether we really know them or not. You know, and that, and I'll, I'll confess, you know, we did a little ride by today. We didn't get out of the car. We didn't unmask or whatever, but it was just a matter of riding by, holding up a sign for a graduate saying 2020, congratulations, wave and kept with the glove on the hand and the mask, but we waved and kept right on rolling. But I felt like uh, when I saw that her mom was doing that, I wanted to be a part of that to celebrate her because they need to be celebrated. Yes. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to Fort Smith Public Schools because even though the graduation was supposed to be on the 15th of May, they moved it to June, June 11, June something. Then the, the governor came and said he didn't want anything up in there. So now they moved it to July uh, 11. So they keep moving it because they're going to have a graduation. Yes, yes. And, it, and every day the school system is doing something. You know, they're on social media or they went by and they put signs in every one of them's yard. And then they deliver caps and gaps. They've been doing something continuously, letting them know, no, we're not going to let you forget. We're celebrating you. So I give a shout out to Fort Smith Public Schools. Mm -hmm. yeah. Fort Smith, Fort Smith. So for municipalities and schools that are not doing that, do you think that there should just be a group of people that just go around from place to place to place and say, hey, we're going to celebrate the people? <laughs> Because th there are some kids that are missing that, unfortunately. I mean, their school systems just are not proactive enough uh, wow. to take the bull by the horns, and those kids are really just kind of falling through the cracks. So I always have a heart and compassion for everybody because somebody's not getting that. Uh, there are some groups that are not getting that. And so kudos to Fort Smith for taking that. How was your municipality and school system, Jonna? I know your kids are smaller, but you're still connected there. Yeah, they've been... I mean, they have done a really good job. Um, my oldest is graduating from the fifth grade. 
But it's still a graduation. Yeah. Yes. And she was, I mean, she has been very tearful since the whole thing because all of her last have been canceled. Mm-hmm. Her last field trip, her last field day. But um, at the beginning, the teachers lined up and they paraded all around the neighborhood to say hi to all of them. And then for her graduation on Thursday, we're all the fifth grade parents are going to line up and the teachers are going to stand outside of the school six feet apart in mask. (laughs) And we're going to parade the kids through the school drive for their graduation. So they, they, and they really, really stepped it up for them to give Mm -hmm. them something to recognize them for their, uh, achievement i mean fifth grade is a big deal to a fifth grader absolutely it's an big deal yeah, yeah. So, they've been really good about that absolutely now to get to the mental health side with the support and and you are probably one of the most loving and supportive parents i know and Rhonda, you are as well you know your your love that you extend i mean you talk about support is to the nth degree and i just applied that to 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 no end again uh with my heart going out for those children that don't have that uh Tell me some of the things that you found yourself doing, uh, and there may be somebody that's listening, like, you know, what are some things that I can do? Uh, Rhonda, I love the idea, like you said, even if I have to go rent the hall myself and and the loudspeaker and, you know, ha- he's going to walk across that stage if nothing else happens. Mm-hmm. So, Jonna, even, it's, and I think this is good because I got a graduate from high school, but I also have a graduate from the fifth grade, both of which are significant graduations for kids in that particular age group as a milestone. So tell me, as far as what you found yourself providing to your oldest to uh, to, kind of emotionally stabilize her, and I understand the tears. How did you help that? Well, the main thing, I... uh she's so different from me, and and that's the first thing (laughs) that I had to really... Because, I mean, honestly, in the fifth grade, if they would have told me school was canceled for the remainder of the year in March, that would have been the best day ever <laughs> for me. But for her, it was absolutely not. So the one thing that I did was just listen. And that's to all three of them, because one thing I've noticed, um, we're not talking a lot about the the kids and their what impact it's having on their mental health. And if we can stop talking for long enough and listen to them, they are talking about it. They are stressed out about it and they're afraid. You know, once the school shut down, everything changed for them. I mean, everything instantly. And it was a huge adjustment. They were acting out. Mm -hmm. One of them couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just a huge change. And then they don't necessarily like homeschool and I don't either. So that was a, another, uh, a a huge change for them. But one thing that I, I did with them is listen to them and respond. If you can't pull homeschool today. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Mm -hmm. If you can't pull it, if you can't do the zoom meetings and all the people talking and the technical difficulty, if you can't pull it and you need a timeout, then walk off log out and walk off. I do make jokes about it because it is funny to me because there's so many Zoom meetings I have at work that I wish I could just walk out from, but you can't. 
<laughs> so when they do it, it just blesses me. <laughs> when they just close the laptop, that's it. <laughs> I love everything about that. But um, just listening to them and let them make their own way through it. You know, they, they can't, for a while, they couldn't, at least in my area, you couldn't go to the store. You, could, you can't do anything. And so they were really isolated and they needed extra everything. And so that's what, what I did, you know, and it has, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It is a lot mm -hmm. trying to, to do what I, not every day is great, but I do the best I can. And, and hopefully that's enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so Rhonda, with a, a teenager from high school, and I know you support that baby 200%. So as far as uh, the types of things, if there were, uh, because sometimes the hardest part of parenting for many is when they're exactly at the age they are right now that you have uh, a loved one where they're at that age where they're uh, grown enough to be grown, but they're still a kid and they're at that place where they're getting ready to embark and commence on life, into life and all of that. How, give me some tools for somebody that's got a child that they're dealing with at your age level, trying to help them stabilize emotionally and stay balanced throughout COVID-19. Because our babies are a concern for me and I want them all to do well. And I think you do an excellent job. You do a magnificent job. So give, give, give somebody some tips that may be like this child not only is COVID-19 taking me out but on top of it you know I'm at this aging stage with this child help them right well Jonna said a lot when she was talking about the adjustment with the children and just when I talked earlier about did not uh, discriminate when I said black and white local income I should have said age as well mm -hmm. because it's affecting everybody at every level and uh, the children one thing I've, I've been doing with them is uh, just talking to them, trying to mm -hmm. explain the best that I can because the sad part about it is we all don't really have enough information to explain COVID-19. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I mean, I feel just as lost as anybody else exactly what it is, why it happened the way it happened. Mm -hmm. so, you know, we still want to keep them encouraged about it. You know, a lot of people have self-doubt, has nothing to do with you. You, you know, this is a great year for you. What do you want to do? How can I help you move forward? Because especially with college, you know, I would love to help you with your applications. I would love to do whatever I can do. Some of them lost their part-time job. Mm -hmm. They're getting ready to do it, but they were working part-time. So we were able to work with them. They got unemployment. And the, the good thing about it was, even though they work part-time, they got that $600 extra. Ooh, go ahead. Now that made them feel real good. <laughs> so, and they're doing good. I'm telling you, they are really, uh, and there may be some that I'm not aware of that's having a hard time, but the ones that I've been around and my nephew's friends, they're doing really well, accepting what has happened. And you, like Jonna said, you've got to, they've got to talk about it and we've got to listen. Mm -hmm. and then see what the next step what do we need to help them with where are they getting you know bogged down with because it's easy to get bogged down with all this going on as a teenager as teenagers you know they're just coming out of high school getting ready to go to college or getting ready to go into the service or getting ready to go into the workforce you know it's easy to get bogged down what can we do to help you release some of this pressure 
So my question there, and you guys are doing great. I love it. But for those that don't have are the, the support like you all are to your uh, family members and loved ones, is the school system responsible to provide any kind of uh, bridging the gap on mental health care for these young children at any age because like you said it's not it does not discriminate it age is not a factor it's getting them all we know and you know if I just think back to how overwhelming graduation was for me at that age and stage it was overwhelming to try to figure out all of these steps that i now needed to navigate as an adult but i'm still really a kid but i want to be grown but i really know i'm not <laughs> and then i just on top of that compound that with the covid 19 situation i can't even imagine what that's like right now um I did go through periods and times of life where I was suicidal. And so, you know, I'm always concerned about mental health for young people. And I'm just wondering, I don't know, and this is just a question I'm throwing out there because I have no idea. Does the school system provide any kind of mental health bridge for people that need more than the support that they may be getting from family or for those that don't have family that may really be struggling with some real emotional situations is is that something as a resource that can be found in the school system or no yes in our school system they do they have they have first of all they have the counselors which help them with uh, their uh their decisions on what they want to do then they have the ones that if they're going through they also have counselors for that if it's outside of that scope, then they will refer them to someone that's more qualified. But at the same time, we want to uh, know that if they also have a, uh, a church, we want to know, you know that there's normally people in some of the churches that can help them as well. Okay. But the church, schools definitely here do have that, that they can reach out for uh, some type of counseling. That's good information. So if my teenager through COVID-19 in your municipality or in your school district actually was in an emotional state where they needed professional counseling, they could contact the school and get a referral. Yes. Great. Great. Is it the same with your school district, Jonna? It is the same. Um, even with the homeschooling packets that they sent for each child, there is a whole section dedicated to maintaining mental health during the ice during the uh, quarantine and what to do if you need extra help and like Rhonda said they are working with churches but not just for um, the counseling and but for food right. and, and clothing and everything right. so it it's it's amazing how a little uh, trouble can bring everybody together mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. because yeah before there was no working with the churches, but now they definitely are utilizing every resource available for the kids. And it's it's worked out. I do know a, a family that's had to use that um, to help br bridge their kids over during the um, during this whole thing. And it's worked out well, Good. very well good now what are they providing for the the, the parents that are homeschooling <laughs> nothing they, they left the liquor stores open right <laughs> drinks <laughs> how are you partaking of the of the medications <laughs> they did not the liquor stores are considered essential <laughs> 
Libations are medicine now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>